Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Kathy Sheridan. Roshi, we have a few things in our mind this week. Some of them kind of trivial and some of them actually very serious. Well, yeah. And the one that actually has grabbed me in the past few days and actually I think was the most, one of the most read pieces yesterday in various outlets was a remark made by a British judge called Mr Justice Hayden who's been asked to consider imposing a court order preventing a man from having sex with his wife of 20 years because she may be no longer able to give her consent. And I think what has really maddened people and intrigued them is the judge, in the course of talking about this and saying why it would be difficult to to deal with, he said, I cannot think of a more obviously fundamental human right than the right of a man to have sex with his wife and the right of the state to monitor that, he said. I think he is entitled to have it properly argued. Now, there is something in there. I saw lawyers discussing it yesterday online and that sort of thing. And there is something in there about the right of the state to stick its nose into anyone's bedroom. So there is that. But this was held in a special court of protection. And the odd thing for a judge to say that a man has an obviously fundamental human right to have sex with his wife, there may be a legal argument there, but the language is horrendous, isn't it? I don't know how there's a legal argument because marital rape is illegal. It's illegal to force yourself on a woman or are eagle for a woman to force herself on a, a man it's it's rape if, if you don't consent so it, it it just the mind boggles as to how he could uh, say something like that this woman has learning difficulties and uh, the, her carers are arguing that she's now in a place where she can't consent to sex so how on earth it seems like there should be I mean maybe the thing can be discussed fair enough but for this guy to say it's a fundamental human right for a man to have sex with his wife it is not it is not a fundamental human right for anybody to have sex with anybody. So it's it's wrong, I suppose. And I suppose it's not the first time a judge has said a, a wrong thing. I mean, I'm not arguing with the idea that it could be discussed in the case, to be discussed and, and teased out whether she is, in fact, you know, not able to consent or whatever. But the idea that it's a fundamental human right to be able to have sex with any woman is completely bonkers and I, wrong I and dangerous. always I'm worried about nuance and I'm worried about language. And the fact that he meant to say something else, but use that language. So what I'm hoping for, because this is such an important issue, I'm hoping he will come out and clarify it. Because barristers are saying, no, the language is wrong, but he was arguing something rather different. So let's just hope. That well, let's hope that the Labour MP for Bristol West, Thangham Debonair, uh, she tweeted, this legitimises misogyny and woman hatred. Um, a judge stating that she can't think of it any more fundamental right. She talked about the fact that no man anywhere has a legal right to insist on sex. No consent equals rape. I mean, yes, you, you'd be right. He might have got his words wrong, but I, I'd like to have heard from him by now. 
You know, it, it has caused a huge uproar. And it's the kind of message that, you know, it gets sent out. And there are some men who take that as an entitlement, you know, and who, who let that bolster their misogyny and their... And their well, this is why I have a problem know? with the language, because the man in the case... Uh, had offered to give an undertaking not to have sex with his wife. So it's like any court case when you haven't heard the whole details of the case. And Lord knows we all know it here from having covered court cases at length over the years. People take up a single line and they run off with it. Now, this judge has absolutely misspoken at the very least. So let's just hope anyway that he he, he clarifies yeah. it. Well, let's just remind everyone that that is not the case and no, that no man has a right no. to have sex with No consent. Woman. Equals rape. Yeah. Now, on to altogether more trivial matters, Roshi. Well, is it trivial? Are leggings trivial? Well, it was most read piece in the paper most of the day <laughs> yesterday, which I think was your doing, actually. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, it was this story from the New York Times that we put up because we occasionally do when we find interesting things in the New York Times. And it's about um, a leggings controversy that was raging in America. And it came when this woman, Marianne White, who's the mother of four sons um, in America, she wrote a letter to the local school newspaper for the University of Notre Dame and the nearby Women's College of St. Mary's, asking female students to ignore fashion and stop wearing leggings. And she said it was for their own as well as the greater good because leggings make it hard for men to control themselves. So there we have it. It's another leggings are asking for it uh, situation. Um, and this caused a huge furore. It was brilliant because it had all these young women posting pictures of themselves, wearing their leggings, looking really comfortable, which the point about leggings is they're just so comfortable. I, in fact, today I'm wearing leggings, not tights, because I just thought today I didn't but feel like wearing the leggings. But you are wearing a dress over your leggings. No, 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 no. You actually are. I am. But the point because is... Because there's camel toe issues with leggings. But that's okay. There's all kinds of problems with leggings. If someone wants to have camel toe, it's not... It's none of your business. Well, if you don't like looking at camel toe, don't look at their crotch. People are entitled to well, have camel Well, I would like toe to have a want. look at the design of leggings, actually, because I just, funnily enough, last week I tried on some because... Did I, you? I've started going to the gym. Oh, yes. she, this is, we should be talking about that. What's going on? No, there's nothing going on. Let's leave that for another time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, very fledgling uh, operation Okay, well, let's, right let's wait till it's more solidified. But I did okay. go looking for leggings right. for the gym. Yes. And I must say, I was outraged <laughs> at the camel toe issue. That's all I have to say. That, well, I think part of the issue here, apart from Marianne or whatever her name is, annoying the hell out of everybody, um, it, it really does come down to that argument about, about leggings are not pants. Trousers, yes. like, as in trousers. Yeah, as in yeah. trousers. Yeah. Or, yes, they are trousers. I mean, would you, would you go out in your tights? Uh, well, but I see loads no, of No, would you? Would I, personally? But yeah, that's with me. nothing else. But that's me, I wouldn't. But other people, if they want to, I don't mind. I don't care what people wear. But would they not look really weird? But I don't care. It's not your business or my business to tell people they look weird I in the clothes they choose. I don't want to look at people in their tights Then don't look toes. at them, Cathy. Then don't look at them. Now, listen, I think this is a really interesting article because uh, she says, leggings began their rise to wardrobe domination with the advent of comfort culture. The post-casual Friday turn of the millennium move away from formality. It picked up steam with the rise of fleece-wearing hedge funders, the fall of Old Wall Street and the fetishization of Silicon Valley's hoodie and Tiva-clad geniuses and became even more pronounced on the influence of the wellness movement. So it's really interesting to hear the whole cultural sort of uh, yeah. journey of the legging. And I just really think this is another way, and as she says in this piece, this is really about women's bodies and the discomfort of seeing too much of women's bodies that some people have. And I say... 
feck off to that. I don't care uh, if women want to show their bodies. They are totally entitled to and it's nobody's business. And I think people should just get over it and stop. And anyway, it was wonderful the sort of tweeting social movement that it spawned where people going, you know, it was leggings power. People were like, here I am in my leggings. You know, well, The whole cultural thing, I think, a lot overthinking there, Roger, if you don't know want me saying <laughs> No, so. but you know, it's yes, like... Um, I mean, it's really... No, but it's like are the, they trousers or are they not? No, and I what am. are they doing Devil in terms of... Fashion and the things people wear are really much more important than are sometimes it's sometimes given credit for. If you think back to the mini skirt, you know, back in the day and various other items of clothing that signalled kind of um, women's liberation and women choosing to, to be who they are. I think it's really important. And anyway, the backlash was great. That's and all anyway, I'm going to say. A and story that toe, I also think you were responsible for. If anyone has for. leggings out there that don't cause camel toe, Cathy Sheridan wants to know about them. Let me know. Do let me know. I actually want to burn down every sports shop in the country at the moment, but that's we'll leave that. Um, another story that you were responsible for yesterday, I just want to refer to it very briefly because it's, it's, it's a clothing story and it's about this American company that was responsible for the Princess Awesome line, um, for, which, was, which was gender neutral clothes directed at girls. And now they have done it for boys. Uh, called, it's called Boy Wonder and it's for boys who want shirts with unicorns oh, and sparkle and colour yeah. and that sort of thing. They launched a crowdfunding campaign and hit 50% of their target in the first hour. Yeah. So little boys want unicorns and sparkle and colour and isn't that marvellous? It is marvellous and I think that's a lovely place to end on rather than the camel toe. And give them leggings if they want them, I say. <laughs> Roisin, what have we got for today? Well, I had a brilliant conversation with Aina Di Launa. I know this because I arrived in just at the end of it. And JJ, our sound man, was sitting in awe and wonder still at it. <laughs> well, she does and have that effect. with an air of great levity in the studio. She is such a life-enhancing She woman, is, and I think, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. So mm. she's a renowned environmentalist, broadcaster and author. And many of our listeners will recognise as long-standing member of the panel of experts on RTE's wildlife programme, Mooney Goes Wild. She's also a very formidable woman, which is why we've wanted to get her on this podcast for quite a while and she came in to talk and this woman can really talk about National Tree Week which is going on at the moment. The Tree Council of Ireland and Forest Industries Ireland are calling on everyone to do their bit to tackle climate change and being a botanist and all-round expert Ina had a lot to say about that. But the woman from Stabannon, County Louth she made me spell it out so I'd get it right also had a lot to say about how things have changed for women in this country about her career to date and about whether she'd uh, consider running as President of Ireland and we think she'd be an absolutely wonderful president. As I said, I think listeners are going to really enjoy listening to the truly inimitable Aina Nilauna. So here she is. Aina Nilauna, how did you get interested in trees in the first place? Well, what do you mean, how did I get interested I mean, how in did you trees? Get into them? Not everyone's into trees. You might think they are. Well, I know everybody's not interested in trees, don't I only know too well? But I come from the country, as you can gather by the old accent. I can. Where about now? County Louth, middle of County Louth. It's a gorgeous accent. Well... Worked hard at it for the last few years. I think I have a very posh Dublin accent when I go home. You'll be glad to know, but there you are. Anyway, when I was little, me and Finn McCool, we were young before television. And there was seven in our family and my mother had enough to be doing. And she used to say, go out and play. Don't come in unless you're bleeding. So don't be coming in saying he pushed me and she shoved me and he won't let me do this, that or the other. Come in when you're hungry or when you're bleeding, that's it. So yeah, what did you do? You went out, you climbed the trees, you went to the river, you looked for birds' nests. Didn't everyone? Didn't everyone? So what else would you do? So why wouldn't I be interested in trees? OK, you so know, you're, you like trees and you grew up climbing them and... Do you think people still get a chance to do that as much? I mean, I my children go and climb trees in the Phoenix Park and wherever they see a tree, they're up. It's like Farmley is another, or Farmley is a good place and also uh, 
Airfield in, Airfield. in, in they, near actually, they used to have a sign on one of oh. the trees saying, please climb. Please climb please me. Climb. Exactly. Exactly. But do you think it's something that's well, kind of gone couple, out of... I'm the, I'm the Vice President of the Tree Council of Ireland and I've been associated with National Tree Week for, oh, a long number of years we now. We should mention that it is National it Tree is Week National and that's Tree why week. you're here. <laughs> exactly, indeed. Planting for the planet is our theme. But well, a couple of years ago we did a survey just to see that very question and it was awfully surprising because we discovered that 40% of Irish school children had never climbed a tree. That's really sad. But they weren't let up. But you see, you can imagine, what do they do? I was in the school yesterday up in Castlebany and the principal was telling me that they're not allowed any kind of screens in school, but the parents were saying that the child has two to three hours of screen time. And she said, a week. And he said, no, a night. I mean, given that you come home from school and now, so when have you time to climb trees if you have to spend three hours on your tablet? You know, so this is, this is what's taken over. And, I mean, and then, of course, families are smaller, Parents don't send them out to play with everybody else on the street. They have to go out themselves lest a terrible thing might happen. So they're more mollycoddled in a sense. And what Mammy ever said, climb up the tree there, except you, Roshan, I of did, course. yeah, I and mean, I'm an exception, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. And then, of course, there's the whole health and safety thing. You know, you climb up a tree, you fall down, and then you look to see, can you sue somebody for hurting your leg, even though it was your own fault? We have a terrible culture here. You know, we should have kept the Napoleonic Code. Napoleonic Code is how they run France, and, but we have a different common law code in Britain and Ireland, and it is just stymie and all of this kind of natural activity. But, but going back to the trees, so you said planting for the planet is the theme. Planting for the planet so is the theme. So obviously climate year, yeah. change and all that stuff is, is something we're all more and more aware of and it's getting more and more urgent. So how does that connect in with, with the, the tree trees. week? Well now, just let me do an experiment on your own. Oh God. Yes, because if I can't do a real experiment, I'll do a virtual one. So let's get an acorn. Here's an acorn. How I weigh it, it weighs about 20 grams, plant it in the ground and we go away for 10 years. It'd be a virtual experiment, okay. you understand. Now I come back in ten, in 10 years time what do we notice about the thing? It's grown. Into? A, a little tree? Well 10 years it's a fairly big tree so but in the experiment okay, sorry. yeah we cut <laughs> it down we weigh it it now weighs a ton it was 20 grams and now it's a thousand kilograms it's a very obliging tree it just nice neat. Okay. So the question is this is where the experiment comes in where did all the stuff come from that's in the tree? Okay. Well, from the air from the ground? Well if it came from the ground and lots of people say oh it came from the soil You'd say, well, then if a ton of stuff went into the tree, there must be a hole in the ground the size of a ton that went into the tree and there's no hole in the ground. And it didn't come from the soil and it didn't come from the rain and it didn't come from the sun. But you were right with your first answer. It came from the air. It came from the carbon dioxide in the air. Because when the trees photosynthesize, what they actually do is they take the CO that we put up by burning things, split the molecule in half, save all the carbon in the tree as timber and give off the oxygen as oxygen for us all to live on. So the only way to get all that CO2 out of the atmosphere in any convenient and sensible manner is by photosynthesis. So planting trees, trees will grow, trees will store it. And even if you cut down the tree and make a table or a chair or a house or something out of it, that carbon stays in the timber because obviously you don't want your things rotting away. It's only if it breaks down again that the carbon goes back. So it's a no-brainer. Where's the widest part of the world? The tropics. Full of rainforests. We're planting them there by the minute every second, aren't we? Aren't we? Are, Are we? we? We're not. We're cutting them down. We're felling them. There's no natural rainforests left in Asia, except in, ten, except in areas that are reserved. If this is such a, a no-brainer, and it really, like, when I actually haven't never heard it explained like that, so thank you very much. But if it's such a no-brainer, why are we cutting them down? Why are we not just saying, right, we really, this is a really easy, simple thing we can do, and let's get this land that's covered with trees. What's the problem? Climate change is not happening quick enough. 
Oh, climate change very... happened quicker and the, we were all going in the hell in the handcart tomorrow. It feels like that though. We way, might do when it. I, when yeah, I hear but I mean, people talk. If you think of climate change, the atmosphere is taking in more heat because there's more CO2 in it. It affects the extremes. So we've been talking about the ice in the Arctic. We've been talking about the polar bears. But it is, we don't live over there. We're not polar bears to help with the polar bears. We've been talking about Africa, way down around the Sahara, where the Sahara is getting bigger and the people are starving. We're only taking notice of that now when they're actually leaving and trying to come into our country. What do you think Brexit is all about? Only keeping them out of their country, keeping away immigrants. But that's all caused because they don't want to come to our rainy shores. So the last place to be affected is the bit halfway between. So when it starts knocking on the doors of New Zealand, when it starts knocking on the doors of Ireland, which it is now doing, it's the rest of the place is all very badly damaged. But the people who make the decisions, the rich people, the ones who have all the cars, the ones who are screaming, do not make the roads wider because we are losing our front gardens and we, you know, rather than going public transport, we all want to come in in our cars. They're the people, the oil people, I guess. Petrol is still far too cheap. We should, everybody in Ireland should have an electric car made by wind. My but brother no, has but an no, electric they yeah, car. Yeah, but we should be making electricity from wind, but we don't like the look of the wind. No, we don't like the look of the windmills. Well, we really like the look of the wind blowing away your I house. Look at, I, I like the look of the windmills. It sort of reminds me of Telly Tubby. Yeah, but if you try to put up windmills anywhere, there'll be there's, there's a, a huge right. concerted so effort. This so, is that's all it. Very, so this, this is, is all this is, very so this depressing. Yeah, but you asked me to, dep- I know, I know I asked you, but I'm hoping you have like some kind of silver lining at the end well, of all this. Well, you either curse the darkness or you light the candle. What do you I think I've been What do you think I've been doing for the last God knows how long? And this is why we have National Tree Week. This is why we have Planting for the Planet. This is why we're offering hope. If every person in Ireland planted a tree, that's just five million trees. That's not that many. Every year, in 40 years' time, a tree that has grown for 40 years has stored enough carbon to account for your house and two cars. So every so you have to, it has to live 40 years, mind you, so you should have started 40 years ago. But still, we have the least amount of trees in Europe, apart from Iceland, where it's above the tree line. And we only have 12% of the country covered in trees. But we used to have a, I mean, it was really much greater, wasn't it? That was gone by the 1600s when the Cromwell, Cromwell wouldn't pay his soldiers and they got, I'm he sure had to get them land instead and the assets I'm stripped. sure you were insulting me in Irish there, but I didn't understand it. Oh, no, 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 don't be like that. Everybody knows that. It's the only poem everybody knows. <laughs> it was a poem that was written in the 1600s and it said what will we do without timber the last of the woods are down I don't know that's say it again in Irish and it was because in the 1600s beginning of the 1600s country covered in trees end of the 1600s after the Cromwellian plantations Cromwell didn't pay his soldiers nobody did they won here's a lump of land for you you weren't kind of welcome were you so you cut your acid stripped you cut down the trees and buggered back a tingling with a few bob and the country lost all its timber mostly between 1600 and 1700. And then the population increased enormously and that also affects timber because people burn for firewood and that sort of thing. So by 1900, we had 1.5% of the country covered in trees. That's all. One and a half. One and a half percent, and yeah. And now it's 12. And now it's 12%, yeah. Now, the thing is that they, they decided, what will we do? How will we grow stuff? Now, Dev, of course, being a wonderful ecologist, you heard of De Valera, I hope. Well, De Valera, anyway, was... Um, very influential in the 30s and 40s and he decided that you shouldn't plant trees on land that was good enough to grow crops. 
So anything that could grow crops on. So therefore, ah. there were all this, all this, these blanket bogs, all of these places. And what could grow on that? Only a tree that was really, really, you know, hardwired to do this. And none of the Irish trees obviously had more sense than to be grown in bogs. So citrus spruce from British Columbia was 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 used, and that was planted extensively in areas. And of course, this has given a bad reputation to forestry because people see these as foreign trees, all the same age. All just one, you know, planted evergreen, no light coming through, nothing growing underneath, not not native trees, so therefore not native creepy crawlies and other biodiversity associated with it. So this is why people like Michael Harding give out about them. But 30 years ago, I mean, this was all copped on. They're not planted near to rivers any longer. They're not acidifying the water anymore. They're, they're being mixed with other trees now when they're being replaced. But you see, once people get the wrong thing into their heads, it's very, very hard to remove it. I mean, something like squirrels. You know, if you say to people, do you ever see a squirrel? And they'll say yes. But then would you see a squirrel now in this time of the year? You might say in January and say no because the squirrels are hibernating. Squirrels don't <laughs> hibernate. But Enid Blyton said that in the 1940s. <laughs> Enid Blyton is a storyteller. <laughs> they gather fault. nuts. They gather nuts in September because they're going to eat the bloody things in the winter. Would you go shopping and then go off on your holidays for six months, leaving all the food in the press? Of course you wouldn't. It's bleeding obvious. But you cannot tell people that squirrels don't hibernate because once you learn the wrong thing, it's really hard to get rid of it. Well, I, I don't think they hibernate. Yeah. I'm listening to you. you. You are the voice of truth and reason and... Tell us what we can do, because you just said if we plant two trees each, that's a huge difference. But so is that, is, that sounds very simple, but is that the kind of thing you're, you're urging people to do in National Tree Week? Well, in National Tree Week, I'm encouraging people to have a positive approach towards trees. Obviously, planting two trees each, you know, everybody hasn't got place to plant them in the far. How far will they grow in the flower pot? Well, they won't get you know, very far in my yard. This is what I mean, you know. Mind you, the Tree Council of Ireland does have sites that if you really want to plant really? a tree, yeah, you can go onto their website, oh. you can send in the cost of whatever it is, a couple of quid, and they'll plant it for you on one of our sites. We have sites in Cavan and sites in Wicklow and places like that. So that can happen. So that's not really an excuse. But the, the forestry department of, of the government, in fact, should be planting more trees as well. We should be aiming to have 20% of the country covered in trees by 2020. Okay. But no, the plan is 20% by 2050. Now, that's not fast enough at all. So, you know, why is this? So are, so, you, are you annoying them about that and telling them they need to fix that? Well, I'm telling you and everybody, the whole world that listens to this will... will so that's what I'm saying. You're know, pumping up the people around to say, we want more trees and we yeah. want them now. Instead of saying, they're going to fall on top of us, we'll all be killed. We can't climb up them, we'll all be killed. You know, a positive approach towards trees. Okay. Because, you know, the other expression, and this one is in English, Roisin. Okay, good. It's a shame as he quote that the, the, the house of the planter is known by the trees and why is the house of the planter known by the trees because the landed gentry were the only ones that kept the peasants out of their bits of land and the 1% that we had in 1904 was on the, was on the landed gentry yeah. where the peasants weren't allowed in so there's an antipathy towards trees to a certain extent you know as a, as a sort of an elitist thing about trees then, well there's like an antipathy were, towards yeah. it you know that's, so, I mean, so you have an attitude problem yeah. first of all to get over but you know in Leitrim where they're planting there's more trees in Leitrim than anywhere else and a lot of these are a crop now if I prove barley or wheat or something, that's a crop. And these Sitka spruce are a crop. The people in, in, in Leitrim are selling their land or they're planting it themselves. And there are other people in Leitrim and indeed other places given out about this. So, I mean, if you look at it from a point of view of, of I don't know, um, everybody has the right to do what they want on their own land, as 
the Healy Vase used to always tell me, why are the Leitrim farmers not allowed to plant whatever they like on their own land? If they want to plant trees, why should their neighbours not let them? But nobody, nobody addresses that point. All right, well, I'm going to get, get Michael Harding in here one day to, to have a little chat with you. I think that would be a good little debate. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Going back to the positive aspects, what tree do you particularly love? What, Where do you like to go where there's lots of trees? Where would you encourage people to go and experience the beauty and the kind of gorgeousness of, of oh, these yeah, the lovely wood. My, my, I had a tree for a long time in my front garden. My front garden is about as big as this room. And I planted <laughs> I planted the most beautiful white beam because a white beam is a beautiful tree. Now, this time of the year, it starts to get its leaves. And they're the palest green you could imagine. And they're always out for my son's birthday on the 19th of April. That's lovely. This year... They're really early and twice, he's 33 now, twice since he was born were they after the 19th, you know, because his, he didn't have leaves for his birthday because they, had, they weren't there. But anyway, the thing grew to 40 feet and, you know, and I had to take the tree out, which is fine. Trees are not national monuments. It grew there. It saved all the carbon. We had, the kids all climbed it up and down and my husband would be pruning it. He had to leave branches so they could climb up. And now I have a spindle tree and a holly tree there instead, which are growing too. So like people think, oh, a tree is a national monument. You can't cut it down. You get the value out of it. So the the white bean being a native tree has flowers on it in springtime and then it has berries on it in the autumn. Uh, So it ticks all the boxes. Flowers for the bees, okay. berries for the birds, lovely, lovely green vegetation. And where do, you, where do you stand on cherry blossom? Because it's funny you say about your son's birthday. My daughter's birthday's in April and I always associate their being born with the cherry blossom. Well, if you were speaking the of the Japanese cherry blossom, well, I'm not a bit in favour of that. Japanese cherry blossom trees are from Japan. They are shallow-rooted trees. They took a rush of blood to the head of the council some years ago and they planted them all over Tala. And of course, there's shallow roots, as shallow roots do, which would never be planted on the footpaths burst the footpaths and people fell over the footpaths and you know they weren't too pleased to fall over the footpaths and they didn't endure their they didn't endure their agony in silence so the council had to take every single one of them out so they're the wrong tree they're the wrong tree in Ireland. They're Japanese. Is your trees full of lovely cherries? No they're not because the weather's too cold to have the cherries. You get two weeks of blossoms if you're lucky. And then they're gone. Probably gales or something and they're gone. Okay. Why don't you plant a wild Irish cherry? There are two wild Irish cherries. Do they have flowers? They though? have flowers. Of course okay. they do. You can't get fruit without flowers. Okay, yeah, yeah. So no, I flowers. knew that, Elaine. I'm just checking in. Yeah, I know. For the pearlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have to explain. <laughs> of course they have flowers and they have cherries on them as well and you can eat the cherries. And they're, that's the... And wild, they're native An trees. Irish wild cherry. There's, yeah, there's two. There's bird cherry and there's the prunus. Okay, that's yeah. brilliant. Um, and you can have those. And the other thing grand. that's a so, great tree... And they would come out at the same time and your daughters would be equally happy. Lovely. And and the another great tree is a plum tree because plums seem to do really well here like uh, there's loads of them and the trees are nice and they you know they yeah. give, you can make the, them the wild plums are in fact the, the slows the, the blackthorn and they're all in flower at the moment yeah. it's a really good year for the hedges are white with them because the flowers come on first and then the leaves and then of course we have all of these things which are food for the bees yeah. because bees gather pollen to feed their babies with and pe- Bees gather nectar to make honey to feed themselves with. So they make two journeys to the flowers. And of course, they're not very clean and tidy and they're big hairy creatures. So when they go from one flower to another, they move the pollen about. And that's how you get your apples and that's how you get your pears and plums. So if you don't have the bees doing it, and this happens in America because they have such huge fields, they have to bring the hives around on the backs of lorries. And the poor old bees, bees are very much, you know, location orientated so to do a wiggle dance and they tell where they went and the other bees go out in that direction but if your hive has gone off in a lorry how are you supposed to know where the hell you're going and they get colony collapse from the stress and strain on the bees in America and 
we don't want that happening in Ireland. But the more we remove wildflowers, the more we remove these things, the less food there is for the bees coming out. I mean, I was even employing people the other day. There's loads of dandelions out at the moment. Dandelions are full of nectar, full of pollen. Leave them there till they go into seed. You don't want them all over the place, so cut the seed heads off. But leave the first crop of dandelions there. Not going Do you to remember kill you. we were told not to touch dandelions that make you go to the toilet or something? Do you remember Busy that? beds. Jesus. That's true. Do you remember? It is true, is it? Of course it's true, but it's not okay. true the way you're saying it. Pissy beds, dandelion. In fact, the French word for a dandelion is piss on lee because they're diuretic, the leaves are. If you have a big swollen leg because you're old and dothery like me, long ago there was no medicine. You sent a young fellow out to get your 25 dandelion leaves yeah. and you ate them. And the liquid in your leg right. went into your bladder and if you were the big ah. lazy lump, you could have the accident in the bed. They are diuretics. Now you go to the doctor, you pay the doctor, then you go to the chemist, you pay the chemist and all you're getting is the essence of dandelion leaves in tablets. Same thing, Listen. diuretics, they do work. But don't, it's not the flowers, it's not touching yeah. them, it's not because they're yellow. Okay. Story got corrupted. But they are pissy Story beds. got corrupted like the squirrels and the hibernation. Now, listen, I want to ask you, you're some woman, really, you've been doing this for decades. You are so passionate, you're so knowledgeable. It's actually such a pleasure to talk to you anytime I have in my life. So thank you for coming in. But what keeps you going? Like what, what is it? Monkey's that, No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. What is it that keeps like what do you do because you are such a bundle of energy, you never stop. But you I presume you have to kind of take stock sometimes and kind of do the old self care. And you know what we talk about a lot in this podcast is looking after ourselves, making sure we don't burn out. Um, you know, women are doing so much, you know, they're raising families, they're they're doing their jobs, they're doing all the emotional labour a lot of the times in in the home. So um what advice would you have on that score? Well, I used to be a nervous wreck. I used to sleep at night. I used to say, I've got to do this and I have to have that written and I have the shopping done. How can I make tomorrow's dinner? And then I don't know. I don't know what happened. But just one day I decided, sure, I'm only here in the moment. I can only do the thing I'm doing. I can't do tomorrow's thing. And what's the point of worrying about yesterday's thing? So what am I doing now? And then let me do that right. I can't be doing two things now. So I've no things done. Here I am talking to you. I'm supposed to be going somewhere after this. But I can't go after this until time comes to go I'm here now and then when I leave here I'll do the next thing so I suppose I live in the moment I am actually doing the thing I'm doing now and I do that right and I don't worry about the future any longer because I can't control the future you know you can be prepared obviously I got the Lewis into town I didn't lie in bed and think I would be magically speaking to you you do have to do things like that but I don't try and make myself be doing 10 things at once chasing me tail. If there's a traffic jam, well, there's a traffic jam. I can't make the bus go away. I can't drive up over the top of it. You just sit there and wait until it goes. Getting mad is only going to put up your blood pressure. And, and I think that does really help. Roshi. No, I think it's a really yeah. it's a really good thing to think about. That That's all we can do is what we're doing now. And this is the only moment we have. So we only the best thing is to concentrate on this one. But how old are you now? Well, I won't see 66 again except on the bus. So does that mean you're 67? Well, yes. <laughs> and how are you on the old ageing thing? Well, sure. I mean, when you consider the alternative, it's not bad. <laughs> and I can go free on the buses, which is ever so good indeed. Well, I mean, you're as old as you feel. Or what did your awful Groucho Marx say? We won't quote that no, on this programme. Not on this Not on this oh programme. But you are, you are as old as you feel. And, you know, people people were old when they were young. I mean, if you're interested in things, I mean, I look at 
I was on the Lewis this morning. I had a great time looking at everybody. There wasn't a sound on the Lewis. Nobody speaking. And I, they were all on their mobile phones. I was looking over their shoulders. What is the, had Brexit happened? Was there some major thing that I was missing out on? Because I was so stuck. I got indeed. Anyway, not at all. They were just scrolling along and up and down and everything else. You know, I mean, the thing is mad. They're not full of enthusiasm at all. They're old people already. They're all sitting on the thing, looking at the stuff, getting off the bus. I mean, I was there looking around. I could tell you if there was a murder on the train, who was on the train, who got on, what they were wearing and who had to squeeze in the woman who was pregnant and was left standing all of that kind of thing you know but then nobody else that's why the woman was left standing who were all on their mobile phones nobody lets it down and and I, was too, I was too tight to order them about I would have ordered them about speaking if I got Speaking of women being you know approaching 70 you've seen a lot of how No come on 67 is I'm not approaching, approaching 70 Approaching 70 you know, I keep telling my mother my mother's 80 in August I keep telling her she's, eight, she's nearly 80 she's going mad at me telling everyone is, but yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. amazing like that I think I agree with you I mean, what's the alternative I think it's a privilege to grow older and I hate this idea that we should be you know oh, complaining yeah, all, about all, it. all the things that people have learnt over the mm, years Exactly the wisdom and experience No yeah, yeah. it's huge but anyway what I wanted to ask you then was about women in Ireland so you've you've seen kind of a lot of changes so what do you, where have, do you yes. think how do you think we are now and you know what are you, what are your hopes for women in Ireland well i mean we we have come on a long way since when i began to work i began to work in 1974 and it was the first year that women didn't have to retire on marriage and I look at the people who are saying, and I'm very sorry for them, they have to pay half their salary for their rents. But when I got married, Richie Ryan was the, was the Minister for Finance and my top rate of interest, I couldn't believe this, my top rate of tax was 80%. It took all my salary and half of Johnny's to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage. And we both had civil service jobs. You know, and I mean, we never had a holiday. We borrowed, we borrowed, we got stuff from the pawn shop. I know, I get out the fiddle. I love that. Yeah, there. so I mean, it's great to see the people. I mean, I have children now getting married and they have everything new. You wouldn't dream of offering them anything. And, and, and it's not just my children. Other people want them and they're able to have it and they have coffees. We never had coffee. You wouldn't be having coffee wasting a whole three euros on something and you trying to save it for something else. Holidays were something you didn't have. So it's great to see the advance that has happened and that people, well, I know everybody and I do, I really do appreciate that everybody isn't in this, isn't in this capacity. But the other thing is the freedom that women have. I mean, until my time and even in my time, people where to get married, you didn't have sex before you were married, it was a mortal sin. Okay, you might have decided that's me, I, and it wasn't a mortal sin. But at the same time, you could get pregnant very easily because you were a lump of rubber, a piece of old rubber was banned by the Catholic Church and the shops wouldn't sell them, never mind tablets of any description and form. And it took the ni- till the 1970s to get that done. But that was, and they were right, they were saying, oh, it's the thin end of the wedge. It was the thin end of the wedge. And it was great to see it getting rammed in because once, once contraception came in, it freed women. Women could decide when they wanted to have children. And you look at families, I grew up in the country, 1950s, and families 13, 14. We only had a small family, there were only seven of us. You know, so like, and they went on until the poor woman practically died in childbirth, gave birth to children, had things wrong with them because it was the end of a big long line. I mean, that drudgery is gone. And that, people don't remember that now at all because like, it's, it's so me and Finn were cool, but it, to me it is so recent. So I think that was the huge, that was the huge change. And then, of course, there was the changes then about, about I mean, people being able to live with each other before they're married and not be disparaged or looked upon as the local harlot or any of that sort of thing. I mean, the acceptance there is of, so I mean, you know, people now who don't remember that think women have a hard life. And women do because because the men have still allowed the, you know, she, I remember, was it George Regmond, who when he was up in court, he was the deputy um, Dublin manager at one point, And he was saying that, you know, his wife had a job and he let her keep her money. 
You know, he was a kind man. He didn't take it from me. He actually said this in the court. I today. I'm not making this up, you know. So, I mean, the idea that, you know, women work and they have the children, but the men still, a lot of them feel, you know, that they, they have to come home and take it easy after a hard day's work, you know. And do if you see that? I do. I do see that still. I mean, you know, I know not not so much now, but not so much with the next generation. My own children, mind you, they don't probably behave themselves in front of me, but they do anyway. They do 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 lots of things in the house, in the home, in the shopping, and things like that. But um, people maybe just a little bit younger than me and my age, indeed, still depend on the woman to do the shopping. What do we have for the dinner? They might cook it if they were told what to do. But you know, will they go shopping? Will they decide? Will they do these things? And you know, and it's a real, it's a re- I think it's a real case of two people loving each other if one actually does the work for the other without having to be told and asked. So that when somebody is doing the washing up, they're doing it because they, they love you. So I mean, women are their own worst enemies to look at the cups. They oh, just, you didn't wash that properly. Look, they're still coughed. They're still scum around it. Shut up. Believe it in the press. He did it. You know, stop, stop doing it better yourself. You'll be left doing it. Sometimes women can't take yeah. what's been you didn't iron that properly there's creases in it or whatever or because it's still a lump of fluff left in the carpet you know I see that happening too there's no point in doing that in this house or sure herself to take it all out and do it again the women are virgin martyrs I don't know about the virgin bit but you know they're, they're the martyrs in the sense they like to like to say oh you know in, in a sense they're put upon but um I think that the country has come on enormously and looking back as far as I can, I can see how far it has come. Now, I can see my own daughter. My own daughter is a professor of family law in the University of Warwick in England and she is looking at the whole idea now of of divorce and separation and who looks after the children and whether fathers get them and fathers do and fathers don't. And it's a whole new um, series of equally important battles to be fought. And if I say, ah, well, you're doing that there, I'm saying, ah, come on, I don't want to hear about ancient history. We can't rest on our laurels. And she's right. You can't be going around saying, well, Aina says it's all done. It's not all done. It's not all done at all. And, you know, women should be actually um, treated as equal. I mean, I was with someone the other night and somebody came in and said, hello, girls. Girls! I mean, jeepers, I don't wear bobby socks anymore. I've given up wearing a ponytail. I mean, I'm not a girl. I mean, this is a patronising. And when I pointed it out, they, they kind of thought, well, God, you're very huffy. But it's a patronising thing to refer to grown-up people as girls. And if I said low boys to him, would he be half so fussed? You know, I mean, you know, men don't do this. And ladies is even worse. I mean, I'm not lady anybody. I'm a woman. What is wrong with the word woman? Well, I, mean, I don't say, know. Why uh, is know, the GAA called the ladies football I know. Team? I've had it out with Marty Morris and Glenn Blue in you, the What face. does Marty say I'm I said that's because it's the women's it's the women's soccer. Why do the they call it, why don't they call it the gentlemen's then if they're calling ladies and gentlemen? Do you ever see them playing there are no gentlemen? Yeah, but they're no ladies either. Do you ever no, see them no, playing? They don't want to be, but I mean they're exactly. stuck with that. They're lucky to be allowed to play at all, as far as the attitude is concerned. But oh, it's women's I it's women's see. soccer, it's women's rugby. Yeah, it's, it's only exactly. ladies' football. It's only but ladies' guy, you know. Do you think it will ever change? Well, if they give the women complain long enough say we don't want to be referred to as the ladies GAA. And do they complain? Well, I mean, did you ever see this, this situation that they have? They don't have changing rooms, they don't have anything they're changing well, no, in the car. You know, so like, I mean, I'd say the, the, the name of the thing is the least of their worries at this stage, yeah. to be fair. You've got to fight the battles that you really need first, you know, and then probably in their lexicon, I mean, the chorus and all big, the carry there's on. Bigger and, yeah, there's bigger priorities. Yeah, bigger priorities. But listen to me that. now, yeah. I have to let you go, but, uh, and I could talk to you all day. Do you think you'd ever go for President of Ireland? I'm thinking, Aina. I think you'd be a great one. I was thinking of that, yeah. And I thought, do I really want to live in the Phoenix Park for seven years but and never go trees. anywhere? I can't, but I can go to the Phoenix Park and look at the trees anyway. I mean, that just you don't have to be living in the Aris for that. You could never go anywhere. I could never say what I wanted again. I couldn't go down to the pub for a pint. I couldn't climb a tree. I'd have to be dignity in the office. And I thought, it'd be like... 
a gilded jail. Like, I'd have to say sensible things, you know. You say so many sensible things. Uh, yeah, you know, but I also I shoot my mouth off and I have an accent. And, I, you know, you get enough trolling even, and I mean nobody. Imagine, I don't know how the people put up with all of this, people who feel that they have the right to insult people in print on, you know. So I, I did think about it and then I thought, no, I don't think I'll be the president of Ireland. Not that anyone would vote for me. I did say I to Michael D. I know Michael D from before our president at the moment and I was he was at a, doing something in the zoo and he was, you know, I was sitting by going for the thing and I was saying, ah, you'll be all right. I said, you'll get in, no bother. I'm not going for it. <laughs> And he roared laughing. He's a great man. He's a great man for the sense of you. He's got a great sense of And so he did. So he got in again. Yeah. Well, I I would have loved to see that. And I think, um, but I love Michael D too. But, you know, I think you'd be a great president. And and I think presidents should be allowed to say silly things sometimes. Well, well. it wouldn't be be silly, but it would be controversial more than silly. Well, I definitely love a bit of that. You know me. Anyway. (laughs) Well, my campaign starts here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Um, no, it doesn't. Listen, it's National Tree Week. Everyone can... Go out, look at the trees, appreciate them, plant them if they're able to, or go on that website and uh, what's the website? It's the treecouncil.ie is on it. But the great late Eamon the Butler always maintained that walking in the woodlands, and there's woodlands everywhere, the Phoenix Park, there's wonderful beach woodlands, places with bluebells in them, places with um, primroses, is really, really good for your mental health. If you can go walking in the woodlands, you don't even have to climb the trees, just walk, smell listen to the sound of the wind even I stop talking in the woodlands and it really? is absolutely <laughs> super stop that you <laughs> thank you very much well that was Aini Launa, that national treasure and what a great interview that was that's it for today remember you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts we are on Apple Podcasts Spotify Acast and all good podcast apps if you do want to get in touch we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast, or you can email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. Good reviews are good for our podcast, so if you're a fan of what we do, then please say so on iTunes. You know we love praise. The podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle and Jennifer Ryan, with JJ Vernon on sound. I'm Cathy Sheridan, and until next time, thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.